Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who like to use a lot of words yet say nothing at all Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 360 for February 24th, 2017. It's a what is it? It's the weekend. Yeah. On today's show, we're talking about stuff related to this question. Um, who is it? This is, is this a question or is this just your commentary, Shannon? We're this is we're going to call this the you know what really grinds my gears. It grinds my gears. Okay. No, it's it's we'll call it a rant born out of an experience I had this weekend at Michael's Craft Store. Tell us and all about it. Let's just let's just sum it up and say: Has the maker movement increased or decreased the quality of our products? Ooh. So, the the let me first start by saying. I do think the maker movement is a very good thing. I think any awareness towards making stuff and kind of movement away from you just assuming everything's manufactured and kind of getting tapping into that creative nature, it's got to be a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, so um, in in our regular show, I talked about I made this uh, Egyptian percussion instrument called the Sistrum. And, you know, first thing we did was, okay, let's go to Michael's and let's pick up, let's just go look for supplies. We basically designed how we were going to build it by what we could find at Michael's. There is so much crap in that store. <laughs> like I can remember going there before and being able to buy like raw materials, buy things that you can make stuff with. Mm -hmm. It was near impossible to find raw materials. It's all kits and pre-manufactured things that, you know, that are basically crap and poorly made to begin with. They get turned into something else, which is a piece of crap that's been, you know, it, it, the way the way I think I put it in my notes here, it's like the snap type models of my childhood. <laughs> Remember, you had the model that you had to glue together and you had to paint it yourself. And then the snap tight one came around that didn't require any glue and it had a bunch of stickers that you put on it. And it's like, well, that's not really making a model. That's just snapping stuff together. Or I recently kind of got back into Legos. And I remember Legos as a kid as a bunch of those yellow like six button blocks, you know, and they, they came in like three colors and you you made stuff in your own imagination. Now it's like you follow the incredible directions that Legos yeah, put together. They're awesome. And you, you only come up with this one thing, you know, and, and that's cool, but it's kind of like putting together a puzzle. It's more assembling. It's not making anything anymore. So walking through this, the, the halls of Michael's just trying to find, I was trying to find something to, to wrap the handle of this system. And I thought, you know, oh, we, we could use that raffia stuff that like, grass stuff it was near impossible to find but there was any number of kits that had raffia in it to allow you to build whatever this other thing was to build whatever the picture was on the front so the the point being there's there's a greater awareness towards making stuff mm -hmm. but now industry and corporation things have kind of capitalized on that and now it's just a bunch of kits um and you're not actually you know, there are people out there like the Durestas of the world, all the guys on the Making It podcast, basically, you know, the Claggetts, Durestas and Pachudos that are truly like making wooden remote controls and using CNCs and laser cutters. And that's cool. But then there's this whole other group of people that are going to like Michael's or going into to Home Depot even and just buying a kit of poorly made stuff and gluing it together. And that's, quote, making stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, Yes, it's a good thing that we have a greater awareness on this, but I think it's caused a proliferation of just low quality crap Yeah, that is now, ooh, I'm a maker. It's like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're an assembly line worker. Yeah. And it just kind of <laughs> makes me sad because, you know, where do you, if you want to be 
pardon the a quote real maker if you want to be a Duresta, you know where, where do you even go where do you even go to get your raw materials you know where you're not relegated to buying some cheap pre-manufactured kit and that yeah. that was really really upsetting to me to see that change that i hadn't really noticed because i frankly don't go to a place like michael's all that much so yeah. what do you guys think has the maker movement decreased the quality of our manufactured products of our made products I think there's potential for it, certainly. I mean, where I always, my brain always goes with this, even if I have an initial gut reaction that says like, all right, this is just the proliferation of crap. You know, even if you look at some of the more popular, you know, channels that don't really produce great stuff, like they get, you know, they might make something that's creative, but you got to make it quickly. It's got to be done within a week. And it's probably not stuff. Upcycled just code for cheap. Yeah, and it's not necessarily something that's going to last very long. It was just cool and made a great video and they move on to the next thing. So someone could make the argument, you know, that this is not worth doing or maybe this is somehow damaging uh, to the community in a sense because it's teaching people that this is good craftsmanship when it's actually not. And and where my brain always goes back to is the fact that no matter what people are doing, no matter what impressions they get, if more people are getting interested in something. In this case, if more people are getting interested in making things, even if they start by the assembly of a kit, that maybe, just maybe, a greater percentage of people will filter through and get to that point of being the inquisitive true maker who's learning blacksmithing and learning how to operate um, you know, a 3D printer and lasers and all these different things you could incorporate now. Um, so I think this broader general awareness, the grand total end result I feel like it has to be a positive. Even if more people, if there are a lot of people building stuff that we might look at and go, well, that's, that's fantastic. I'm glad you put that sticker on that and and called it your own, you know? Yeah. Everybody had to start by making a birdhouse from a kit before they built a David Marks, you know, Bubinga table. Right. Well, and I mean, do you think this applies to something like Ikea, for instance, where, um, I think part of the, the, the thing that makes Ikea what it is with people is the assembly. And when you have any part in bringing something to life, even if it's like the littlest factor, which is like the final step of, you know, grabbing your Allen wrench and putting this thing together, you kind of do have, especially if you're not actually someone who has the skill to build this thing from scratch, um, you kind of walk away going, yeah, all right, I put that thing together, you know, so it's, I made that, I made that. <laughs> you know, even <laughs> though by our standards, you certainly did not make it, um, but it still might get that person excited. And maybe when they're at the store the next time they go, yeah, maybe I'll get a table saw and I'll, you know, shoot missiles at my face with it. Um, I was going to say, yeah. That's maybe that's not the best tool to start with, but uh, uh, double edged sword on okay, that one. They yeah. get a jigsaw and a drill. How about that? Um, you know what I mean? So I think people do have this natural sense of wanting to make things, but I think they have to start somewhere and maybe eventually yeah. they do become, a, a, you know, a true builder of some sort. What do you think, Matt? Matt, what do you think, Matt? What Since you, think, you make Matt? your own lumber. Yeah, you guys are all. Are the rest of us lumberyard shoppers wood. just a bunch of <laughs> you know poser makers? Yeah, it's just, I go slumber more often. <laughs> um, I, it's kind of an interesting topic because I think I can see the side of things where people are just kind of slapping things together to make whatever, and that's it's great to that that's kind of coming around that people aren't like I have to go to a store to buy this yeah. one finished product. That's kind of cool, and maybe it is an entry kind of an entry drug, so to speak, to something a little bit stronger and more craftsmanship-like. Mm-hmm. But I think it also comes back to like this kind of societal thing we have now where it's everything is so temporary, especially with home furnishings. 
everything wants people want to change the way their house looks every few years or rearrange whatever change the scheme of whatever and high quality stuff that costs a lot of money to buy or takes a lot of time to build doesn't really fit that profile that well but if something you can knock together in a couple hours will last you the next five years without falling apart you're gonna throw it away anyway why invest the time to make something really fantastic but then again Maybe some of those people will filter through and build something that will last them a long time that they'll actually be happy with. Or they have that much of a connection to it because they spend so much time on it that they don't want to get rid of it. Hmm. Maybe. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a different mentality in, in you know people that are maybe shopping for new furniture today are not thinking of marrying this furniture. You know, no, so. I think especially like my my parents' generation, like like furniture was like a wedding present, like furniture you would use for the rest of your life. Like you would get like yeah. a china hutch or whatever. Totally. Yep. Your dining or a dining room yeah. table. My parents all have exactly that stuff, but like people my age or like this generation is like they have these things they got off the side of the road that they painted and then the next week there's something new they yeah. also got off the side of the road and painted or <laughs> you know, whatever. So <laughs> you know, upcycling junk, it's effective if you're just trying to cycle through things and Maybe you don't have a lot of money right now to buy that kind of stuff. I don't know. Maybe society's changed to a point where people don't expect to spend that much money on furniture anymore. Whereas, you know, 30, 40 years ago, people knew that furniture was going to be an investment. I don't right. know. Well, and I think people do have a natural, you know, inclination to build things and do things. And I think maybe just this, even if it's not a lot of work, this sort of upcycling something they found on the side of the road, it really scratches that itch of that creative task, you know, even if it's not that deep level of what they're doing. And that's kind of what a lot of people are looking for to, you know, step away from it and go, yeah, I saved this thing from the junkyard and now it's actually a functional piece of furniture. Even if it's not yeah, great, that, it doesn't matter. And that's how I got into it. So if there's any like, I don't know, test case, use case or whatever, if that's possible. Yeah. I started, I refinished a piece of furniture and then look at me now. There's wood everywhere. You got a beard. <laughs> Fantastic. Beard now. It's fantastic. <laughs> My wife brings me coffee while I'm podcasting. Look at me. Look at this life I have now. This is fantastic. Let me sitting on my sitting on my throne with my coffee. I got my donut right here. Talking uh, to some guys. It's good to be the, the king, country. right, Matt? <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh crap. All right. So I, I'm just uh, so Shannon, take us to the you know the the worst case scenario of what's the worst that could possibly happen with this. Cause it right. isn't like you can't get the stuff that you need for raw materials. You may just have to look a little harder. Maybe you can't find it at Michael's, but the people who are deeper into this stuff generally have no problem, you know, looking right. a little harder for resources. So what, what is the worst that could happen with this? Well, I mean, I think, and, and this is what's interesting. What I think makes this an interesting discussion is I think we're all on the same page as far as, you know, any awareness is a good thing, but you hit it early, Mark, when you brought up the durability issue. Mm -hmm. um, and from where I sit now, where I think a lot of the woodworker, traditional woodworker persona sits, this is all about, you know, I want my stuff to, to outlast me. I want to leave a legacy of fine furniture. And to Matt's point, nobody cares. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> a legacy of fine furniture. Like what? Uh. You, know, and, you know, and I look at like my, my parents' generation, like my, my boss, he's got beautiful 18th century furniture and his daughter wants none, nothing to do with it because it won't fit in her house. So it's like durability is almost kind of a moot point. But in my opinion, I think, the the bad thing that can happen from this is we're only perpetuating that disposable society. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you build stuff from a kit that it's not that I have a problem with necessarily building something from a kit, but it's such a poor quality kit to begin with yeah. that it's never meant 
to last long at all. So then that becomes acceptable. That becomes the norm. Here's the new paradigm. I'll build something. It will fall apart. You know, it's basically the paradigm we live with, live in with electronics, right? Capitalism. There's going to be a new model in six months. So who cares if my iPhone doesn't last very long because I'm going to buy the new one in, you know, eight months or whatever. And that I, I do think you start to sell short craftsmanship at that point. Yeah. You know, makership, whatever we're calling it. I mean, some of the really cool, again, apologize for the real maker stuff projects that I've seen, but like you watch the stuff that Bob Claggett turns out, you watch the stuff that Jurassic makes um, and, and go to YouTube and, and follow the recommendations and you'll find similar people of a similar ilk creating some cool stuff, you know, and we've got the capacity with 3d printers and laser cutters and CNC machines to make high quality, durable stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and my fear is, is that you get too many people that jump in and think that that kit that they just built, that is like the pinnacle. Right. That I've arrived because I just, you know, snapped together this thing and now I have a volcano that explodes, you know, um, <laughs> it's that, that is a concern because we already have this disposable in our disposable society, this, you know, trade in your car every three years and trade in your cell phone every six months. This is only making that worse. I right. think. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. That's definitely interesting to ponder. And this is one that we'd love to hear some feedback on um, from you folks. What What have you seen out there? Is there anything that concerns you or do you see it as all, you know, positive? Is everything moving in the right direction? I think it's very, um, it's going to vary uh, might, quite a bit. I might have to go to Michael's just to see what you're talking about because I, have, I haven't been there in I don't know how long. And to be honest, I probably didn't pay attention very much. Just yeah. make sure you bring a 20% coupon because the last time I went to Michael's without one, Nicole got very mad at me. I oh, bought a paper because- towel holder and she's like, you idiot. Well, and I think a lot of what what hit me is it's not necessarily that specific store, although I can remember going there like 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it being a very different experience. But like I remember when I was a kid and like you wanted something like I, I tell people all the time, my first woodworking project was a proton pack I made for my Ghostbusters costume in the 80s, you know, but I can also remember like working on my brother's train set, you know, and we had to like make our own trees like you take a twig and you flocked it and put all mm-hmm. the little leaves and stuff on it. And like you sprinkled the grass out. Well now go to a hobby store and you roll out the grass and you just <laughs> stick the pre-made trees onto the thing. And it's like, that was the fun. That was the fun was yeah. actually like creating a wireframe and pouring plaster of Paris over to create a mountain range. Mm-hmm. Now you just go and buy the polystyrene mountain and stick it on top, you know? And it's like, that just kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, part of that joy was that. So now it's like, okay, you know, if I wanted to build like a, a, a train set or something, where do I, what do I do? Like, and people just getting into like railroad modeling. I don't know why I'm stuck on railroad modeling now, but it's like, that's what you get. You go to the hobby store and you get pre-molded mountains and, you know, grass sheets and things like that. You don't even have the raw materials anymore, which is kind of sad. Well, I can see that from their standpoint as a store, if better margins on that pre-manufactured stuff. Is more more inherent value, especially like the kit stuff. Like you can put the same amount of stuff into that kit, and you can charge a lot more for it, better margins, and like it's especially stores, so they gotta have some ridiculous margins on that stuff to stay open because they have a lot of overhead. Yeah, true. It's not floor space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes so sense. They're, they're struggling. They're struggling with that too. They're struggling with how do I get more money out of these people that don't want to buy anything? Right. <laughs> right. 
interesting And they don't times. want to spend a lot of money on it because they know that it's going to just break down or going to be thrown away in three years. <laughs> right. Which is going back to Mark's point about what's the worst What's the worst case is we continue to perpetuate that disposable stuff. Yeah. You know, And I think that – and maybe I'm wrong, but so much at the heart of the maker movement, not only is the kind of the self-reliance and the I made that, but hey, I made this and it's going to outlast me. Um, this is something that's quality. It's handmade, whatever. Pick your, your favorite buzzword. Mm-hmm. And you artisan. Know, when you, when you, art, yeah. <laughs> artisanal maker products. That's right. There's artisanal water actually at the, the local neighborhood Walmart grocery store. And if you buy their generic water, there's distilled water. There is like drinking water and there is, there are gallons of artisanal water. I don't, I didn't even bother looking at it cause I'm like, that's stupid, but I'm just, I am kind of curious about what makes it artisanal <laughs> water, but, uh, yeah, good stuff. It's probably uh, bottled by a guy in a beard. Okay. Well, let us know what you think about this folks. We're really interested in your opinions and experiences you've had that either make you, uh, hopeful and optimistic about the future or, uh, possibly a little bit, uh, sort of a bleak perspective on where things are headed. Very curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, but thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. See ya. Bye-bye.